Welcome to the Right Division Network Podcast, a production of Grace Family Bible Church in Buffalo, New York. I'm your host, Pastor Scott Morton. And we'd like to thank you once again for joining us as we study God's Word, Rightly Divided. We're going to be continuing today in our studies going through the book of 1 Thessalonians, and we are here in chapter number 4, and we've been studying verse number 11, which says, And that ye study to be quiet, and to do your own business, and to work with your own hands, as we commanded you. Now, last time we really focused on the issue of the idea of Paul saying that, we need to study to be quiet and really kind of focusing on the issue of what that word quiet means and how the members of the body of Christ need to be living a certain lifestyle based on the understanding we have from the word of God rightly divided. Now, As Paul is saying this from the practical standpoint of things, we see how he's using that connecting word and to talk about how there's more information that needs to be put into this. And when we look at these next two things of, you know, with him saying and to do and then there's an and to work, that we're going to see how there's some confusion that comes up for individuals because the understanding comes out that, well, it means that we have to be doing some things to either earn or maintain our salvation because this is what the majority of Christianity teaches today. You know, instead of the understanding of the gospel message that's been given to us by the Apostle Paul for today that we find in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and the first four verses of that chapter which read, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. So this is the only message that can actually provide salvation to somebody during this dispensation. This is the only thing that we have to put our trust in. Now, what you see is that the majority of Christianity wants to try to put some form of work in and say that this is what we have to do because they're going to pull things that are written for the nation of Israel and say that this is what's applicable to us. You know, very familiar passage that many people like to use. And let's turn over there to James chapter number two. And like I said, this is a familiar passage and it's a very popular one to be used 
to describe this idea of somebody having to do works as part of salvation. And here in James chapter number 2, we're going to start at verse number 18. Here we're going to actually read all the way down through verse 26 to the end of the chapter. So verse 18 of James 2. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works, when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. Ye see then how that by works a man is justified, and not by faith only. Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. And like I said, this is a very familiar and popular passage that is used to show how that an individual has to have faith plus they have to have works in order to have justification in the eyes of God. Now, when you read through this passage, you see how Abraham is used, and Abraham is the one who all of the promises were given for the nation of Israel, and how you know passed from Abraham to Isaac, and from Isaac to Jacob, and from Jacob to his twelve sons. And from the twelve sons down through the rest of the nation of Israel. And then you have Rahab who was a Gentile. Now, so you have a, essentially a Jew and a Gentile being used as examples here. To show how there needs to be works as part of this in order to have justification. Having that thing of being seen as righteous in the eyes of God. Now, when we look at who James is written to, and we can turn to the very first verse of chapter 1 to see how James is introducing this book here. And it says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, Greeting. So we see that this is written to the nation of Israel. Those are the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. That's not written to us, the members of the body of Christ today. We can also see how, you know, as you go all through this book, you see how the law is the focus. In fact, if we go back to chapter 2, and we read verse 10, which says, For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. So, if a person breaks one single part of the law, and that's 
more than just the Ten Commandments. This is all 600 plus parts of the law. If somebody breaks one part of that, they are guilty of breaking the whole law. So if a person, you know, you have the dietary piece of the law. So if a person has a strip of bacon, they're as guilty in the eyes of God as if they had committed a murder. You know, another part of the law is that a person's not to wear a clothing made up of more than one fabric. That's what most of modern clothing is some sort of a blend. The moment somebody puts that on, they're as guilty as if they had committed adultery. You know, so the law and a big part of the thing of you know that was given to the nation of Israel and it was very clear that they were going to be unable to keep it. And when we see how Paul speaks about justification, we can see that Paul speaks about it having nothing to do with the things of the law. In fact, we can go over to a passage. Just go to Romans chapter number 4. And keep in mind what we just read over in James chapter number 2. Talk about how faith without works is dead. You know, that works were a necessary part of somebody's faith because... Individuals are going to say that what we're just going to read here in Romans 4 is saying the exact same thing as what we just read over in James chapter number 2. And when we read it, it's going to be very clear that these are saying two completely different things. And we're going to read the first eight verses of Romans chapter 4. What shall we say then? that Abraham our father is pertaining to the flesh hath found. For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof the glory, but not before God. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of death. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness, even as David also describeth the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Now, we see how the Apostle Paul is using Abraham as well, you know, as an example. We see that, you know, James used the example of Abraham going to offer Isaac, so doing a work. We see Paul using Abraham an example of, think of what we see in Genesis chapter number 15, of where it talks about how Abraham believed and it was counted unto him for righteousness no works being associated there, those are not the same thing. You know, verse 5, again, of Romans 4, But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly. So, it's the issue of a person is not working, 
they're believing on him that justifieth the ungodly. They're believing on the Lord Jesus Christ and what was accomplished at the cross at Calvary. And it says, his faith is counted for righteousness. And that's not the faith of the individual. That's the Lord Jesus Christ's faith that's being counted for righteousness because it's only his righteousness that could ever have been accepted and it's being given to us the moment that we believe the gospel. That's what 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 speaks about how he took our sin so that way we could receive his righteousness. It's his righteousness that is the issue. That's the only way that we can have that justification. Now, individuals try to turn this into, well, you know, James is talking about the justification in the eyes of God, and you know, Romans is talking about justification in the eyes of man. Now, when you read this, it's very clear that it's talking about justification in the eyes of God. And these are two separate things because they're for two completely different programs. And that's why we talk about the issue of rightly dividing the word of truth because an individual has to rightly divide the word and able to understand what is truly applying to me and what is applying to somebody else. And knowing that James, and we read that about how James was written to the 12 tribes scattered abroad. It speaks about the things of the law that James is not written to a member of the body of Christ today. We see how Paul, let's go over to Ephesians chapter number 2. And we're going to see how Paul's going to speak about the members of the body of Christ here. And we're going to start here at verse number 8. It says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So we're going to stop here. We're going to reach verse 10 in a, in a minute here, but I want to focus on verses 8 and 9 first, where it's speaking about how we're saved by grace through faith. It's a gift, and it has nothing to do with our works. Our works cannot save us. You know, anything that we're doing, it's as filthy rags in the eyes of God. Our righteousness could never save. Now, you see here in verse number 10 that there's an issue of, you know, as a result of our salvation, God has something that he wants us to do. It says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So there's the issue of that God wants us to do the good works, but it's not a contingent thing of that if we're not doing them, we're not going to have our salvation. That's what James 
is talked about. That's what everything you see in Israel's program was all about with them having to do things. That's why you see in the book of Matthew, when the individual comes up and says, good master, what good thing do I need to do to have eternal life? Now, if it was simply just believing what was accomplished on the cross at Calvary, which hadn't happened yet, the Lord Jesus Christ could have just said, you know, there's an event coming up, you know, and if you put your trust in that, you're going to have eternal life. Instead, he tells them what the program for the nation of Israel actually was, which was the issue of that they needed to keep the commandments. So he lists out a bunch of things that this individual needs to do. And he says, you know, I've done all that from my youth up. What lack I? And then it's sell all you have, give to the poor and follow me, which was a work that this individual is not willing to do. You know, works being part of Israel's salvation Works are not part of our salvation, but it's very clear here in the book of Ephesians, what we just read here in verse number 10, that God does intend and God does want us to do good works. You know, we should be reflecting the life of the Lord Jesus Christ who's living in us the moment that we believe. We see how this is going to be demonstrated if we go over, let's turn over to Colossians chapter number one. And we're going to see how Paul's going to be praying for these saints at Coloss here. We're going to start here at verse number nine. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding that ye might walk worthy of the Lord into all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and long suffering, with joyfulness. And he continues on with this prayer. But you see how the first part of the prayer is the issue of that they would be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding so that way they would have a knowledge of what the Word of God is saying. And then the result of that is going to be, verse 10, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. And we see how these words, you know, Ephesians 2.10 was the issue of ye should walk. You know, Colossians 1, verse 10, that ye might walk. So the issue being that you know, it's not part of our salvation. The issue of where it's going to have an impact is going to be on the rewards of an individual. So it's an issue of that, you know, if I'm doing the right things, I'm going to be building the gold, silver, and precious stones at the judgment seat of Christ. If I'm not doing the right thing, I'm going to be building the wood, hay, and stubble at the judgment seat of Christ, impacting not the thing of, okay, it's not impacting my salvation. It's going to impact the reward that I would have 
when I'm with the Lord Jesus Christ, ruling and reigning with him in the heavenly places. We see, let's go turn over to Titus chapter number two. And we're going to see again how Paul describes this idea of the thing of how a person is to live their life. We're going to read verses 11 through 13 of Titus 2. It says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope in the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, we see again this issue of that word should. So, a third time here in Paul's epistles, we have the issue of that it's not a requirement for salvation. It's something that God wants, and that's why it's these words of should. You know, it's if we're doing what God intends, this would be the result. If we're not doing what God intends, it's not going to happen. It's not going to impact our salvation. It's going to impact the issue of you know, our rewards. It's going to impact our testimony. It's going to impact those type of things, but not impacting the issue of the salvation that we have. You know, and th these are huge differences between our program and Israel's program and how individuals, the unfortunate thing is how individuals confuse these things through their failure to rightly divide the word of truth and have this impact on you know, teaching things related to justification that do not line up with what is said for us today. And it creates confusion, you know, because then an individual is trying to do things that, you know, would not be possible for them to do. You know, it's impacting the ability for people to even get saved. And we know that God's will is that all men would be saved and come unto the knowledge of the truth. So this is what you know God wants mankind to have salvation, which means that we need to be making sure that as ambassadors for Christ, that we are going out and teaching the proper gospel message for today. Because if we are not, we are failing to follow what the Word of God actually says. You know, and sometimes that's being done through you know, ignorance because a person hasn't put the effort in to study what God's Word says. Other times it's being done a person knows what the truth is and yet they're still teaching the error because they have some other agenda that's coming about from it of, well, you know, I want people to like me. I want to keep, you know, the position that I have. And if I teach the truth, I'm going to lose those things. You know, everything that's here today 
is temporary compared with the eternal glory that we are going to have ruling and reigning with the Lord Jesus Christ in the heavenly places. Our focus is to be on the heavenly things, which means that we need to be doing what God intends to be happening. And that's why we really need to have this understanding of the justification that's being taught and making sure that we are teaching the proper justification according to what the Word of God actually says. Now, next week we're going to actually start digging into those things of, you know, when Paul is talking about the issue of the business and working that needs to be done, we'll actually see why it is that he's actually saying those things. Now, as we close here, I'd like to remind everyone of our website, which is www.gracefamilybiblechurch.org. And on our website, we have a number of study articles. We have some audio files of previous messages. We have information about how to watch our services live as they're being broadcast on Facebook, our Sunday morning message, and our Wednesday night Bible study. And as always, if you have any questions or comments about anything in our broadcast, anything on our website, we would love to hear from each and every one of you. And until next time, keep fighting that good fight of faith preaching this message to this lost and dying world.